Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, September 22nd, 2019, we continue our series titled Genesis in the Beginning. Today's sermon, Trusting God's Plan, will be taught to us by Pastor Bob Wade out of Genesis chapter 22. Enjoy. The story that we're going to be looking at this morning is a very well-known story, but it's also a difficult story. One that almost seems out of character in some ways. Now, this is a, an important, uh, catch what I'm going to say here, okay? In this particular story, do not place yourself into Abraham's exact situation. You are not Abraham. No one is asking you to take your child and put him up on an altar and sacrifice them. So don't do that. But here's the truth. Each one of us have our own set of trials. And the reality is, is that only you and God can know what it is that's going on in the altar of your life. It's not like something that we are all gonna be completely all aware of. But what I want you to see here is, I want you to see out of this message, the larger picture. Why is it that God would want this particular story laid out for all of history to know? What's so important about this story? And it all begins in verse one with a little word, the word test. This is a test. That's very important to know here in Genesis chapter 22. Now the passage here breaks into two large sections. The first part is in the first 10 verses which talk about the testing of faith and then you get to verse 11 and through verse 19, it's gonna change gears a little bit and talk about the plan of God. But in verse one here, he starts off here and he says this, and after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. So God tested him. Now there's a big difference here between testing and tempting. We test students when they're in school to see what they've learned. To tempt someone is to see if they would fall. The Bible tells us that God never tempts us. James chapter one, verse 13 makes that very clear when it says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God himself cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So God is not the one that is tempting you to do wrong or to do evil, and yet in the middle of our own testing, each of us are, are often tempted to do things our own way, not God's way. And so what's the subject of God's testing here? Well, if you're in Genesis 22 here, go over to verse 12. We'll just jump ahead really fast here and then we'll come back. Verse 12, he says, and he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything for now I know that you fear God. In other words, the, the, the issue for testing here is do you trust me? Do you believe that I'm in control? And Abraham is going to have to trust God to follow through on the command of God. Just as you and I have to trust God in the midst of our own trials, to realize that God is in control, that he is good, that he does care about us, that he does know what we're walking through, and he is walking with us. In this case, Abraham needs to believe that God will fulfill his promise regardless of the command to go offer his son. Now, the promise here of Abraham's son is that he's gonna be the father of many. In fact, the promise is, is that he's gonna be, have so many children 
that literally his children would be like the sand of the sea. This is not something that's new. He's been saying this for a while. In fact, if you were to go back, you would find in chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 15, chapter 17, chapter 18, chapter 21, over and over again, he keeps saying, your children are gonna be so many that they're gonna be completely uncountable. The question is, does Abraham believe that? And after all God's done, can Abraham trust him? Now, just to give you an idea why this is such a big deal, why this particular test is such a big deal, verse one starts off and actually says that God speaks to him in an audible voice. This is not a feeling. It's not a premonition. It's not a dream. God literally gets his attention and calls to him, Abraham, I got a test for you. Abraham recognizes immediately who he's talking to. And then you get to verses 2 through verse 10, and you start seeing his response. Look what he says here, starting in verse 2. And he said to him, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains in which I will, I will tell you. And so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and he arose and he went to the place which God had told him. So he, he does, he goes, he just listens and he begins to obey right off the bat. Now there are two things that are kind of interesting here in the, verses two and three. First of all, it's the first time love is ever mentioned in the Bible. Now you would think that love would have been mentioned before chapter 22. I mean, God is the God of love. You certainly have mothers giving birth. I would think that if love was gonna be mentioned, it would clearly be mentioned, first of all, on a mom's love for a child. And yet here, in the passage, the first time love is mentioned here, it's about a father's love for his son. That clearly tells you that God wants it to be clear that a father giving up his son is a really big deal. Now the second thing here that's so interesting is that Isaac here is called Abraham's only son. Well, wait a minute here. Biologically, wasn't Ishmael his son? He was, right? Remember, his, his wife, Sari, gave her servant, you know, Hagar, to help her have a baby. And so he goes in and she gives birth and, and has a baby. I mean, is he not considered a son? Well, in this particular situation, you have to understand that, that and by the way, Ishmael's left at this point, but at this point, Isaac here is the miracle child. He is the promised child. Last week, as Jeff went through you know, the passage here in 21, he talked about Galatians chapter four, and he talked about the fact that Ishmael was the son of the flesh. In other words, he was the son of Abraham going in and sleeping with you know, Hagar. But Isaac was different. Isaac is the son of promise. You see, what's he talking about? Well, let me give you a word here. Much of the story has something to do with something called typology. Typology is basically here that Isaac here is a type or a picture of Jesus. Let me give you an example. Isaac here has a very special birth, one that was never supposed to happen. Well, Jesus had kind of a special birth. Babies aren't typically born to virgins any more than they're born to 100-year-old men and 90-year-old moms. 
This is very special. He's a very special child. He is the child of promise. Now, in verse 2, it also references here Abraham's great love for Isaac. He says, your son, your only son, the one whom you love. What God is basically declaring here is, I know exactly how important he is. Remember, back in the day, there was no retirement. There was no savings, no, no bank accounts, no Social Security, no 401Ks, no IRAs. You had children. And so for, for uh, Abraham and, and for, for Sarah here, this is their security. Isaac is their security, and God knows that. And if you go back to verses 2 and 3, you'll also see he says to take him to the land of Moriah. Now, where is that? Well, if you, you don't have to look at this, but just follow along. 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1, says this. It says, then Solomon, by the way, Solomon was the third king of Israel. He is the child born to uh, David and Bathsheba, who becomes a king. It says, then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. Okay, now this is very important that you catch this. Mount Moriah is Jerusalem, okay? Now, I want you to begin to see this drama as it begin to laid out here. This story is building here about a father offering a son on a mountain in Jerusalem. Go down to verses four through eight. It says, and on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from afar, and then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife and so they both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father, and he, he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Verse eight, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb of the burnt offering, my son. And so they went, both of them, together. And so verse five says here that Abraham, the father, tells those in his party, Isaac and I are gonna go, we're gonna worship, and then we're gonna come back, both of us. And he believes that. Verse seven, Isaac stops and he asks his father about the offering. In verse eight here, Abraham answers, and his answer here is very important. Some people would look at his answer and say, well, wait a minute, Maybe he was answering and just kind of like he didn't want to give him bad news like, like we would do with our children. Are we going to have to get a shot? No. No, it wasn't quite like that. I mean, I don't think he's being coy. I don't think he's holding back on the information at all. I think Abraham speaks exactly what he believes. God himself will provide. You see, Abraham has learned to believe God, to trust him. Now, that hasn't always been the case. Now, when you get here to chapter 22, by this point, he's seen God's track record. He knows that God is faithful. He knows that God is good. He knows how gracious God is, and he trusts in him. He believes that God himself will provide the lamb for the offering. Now, let me step away from the Bible for a minute and give you my opinion. I want to be really clear here, okay, on this one. I don't personally believe that Abraham ever believed that his son would ever die on that mountain. Because God told him to take his son there and offer him as a burnt offering. He didn't say make him a burnt offering. He said to offer him. 
I think he's living maybe in precision, but I will say this, but he was willing. Now, if you go back here, you'll see how clear again this is. In verse five, he tells him, Isaac and I will go and we'll worship, we'll both return, and both are going to be fine. Now, there's two things that are kind of interesting about this too. Remember I told you a minute ago, this is the first place in the scripture where love is mentioned? This is also the first place in the scripture where worship is mentioned. In chapter 22, worship is a big part of this whole thing. And in this case, it starts with animal worship. By the way, animal worship started in the Garden of Eden. After Adam and Eve sinned, you remember that they stopped and they tried to cover themselves up, you know, with with leaves and, and that sort of thing. And God stopped and he kills an animal and he provides that for them to be clothed over and protected. There's a lesson to be learned in all this. And the lesson is, is that God was willing to take the death of another as a substitute for the things that we had done wrong. It's a concept biblically called substitutionary atonement, that someone else would be the substitute for the guilt that I really, you know, have here, but someone would pay the price for my guilt. Are you starting to put a couple of different things together here on this mountain? Now, the second thing that's kind of interesting here is Isaac here is called a boy. That is a cultural thing. You understand the reason why he's called a boy here is because he isn't the leader of his own home yet or his own family. He's not married. That's coming, but he's not married yet. Most scholars believe that Isaac here is 20 to 30 years old. He is big enough, strong enough, that they took all of the wood that they would go and create this altar with and put it on his back, and he carries it up a mountain. He's a man. Now, keep going here. Look at verse 9. It says here, and then they came to the place which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. It says he binds his son. Now, here's the thing. I think Isaac let that happen willingly. And the reason why I think that goes back to that word that I gave you a few minutes ago, that word typology. You see, Isaac here is a picture, a type of Jesus. Now, here's the question. When Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, did he resist? No. In fact, remember, uh, Peter pulls out this little pocket knife and, you know, tries to cut off Malchus's ear or whatever, you know, the guy's, stuff like that, and, and, and Jesus stops him, and he says, look, if I wanted to, I could call legions of angels. He let himself be taken. He let himself be beaten. He, he, he agreed with the will of the Father. I believe Isaac here agrees with the will of the Father. He let it happen. But this is, there's a very practical side of this as well. I believe that there's no possible way that Abraham at 120 to 130 years old is gonna overpower a 20 or 30 year old boy. Not gonna happen. I got two sons, a 32-year-old and a 27-year-old. Both of them are stronger than me. There, I said it. (laughs) But I'm a dad, which translated in Hebrew means I fight dirty. (laughs) Just because you're stronger doesn't mean you win. Verse 10, he says this, Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. So Abraham raises the knife. 
Was he going to stab him? He was clearly willing. I mean, that's what the book of Hebrews tells us. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19 kind of spell this all out for us. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. In other words, he believed that, look, if it has to happen, look, I, I'm, I'm trusting that God can take care of all this. God has done one miracle in his birth. Could he do a rebirth? Yes. I mean, it would be a huge act of faith. By the way, Hebrews 11 is how you reconcile the promise of your son's gonna have all these children with the command of going and offering him is that God has got this figured out. The promise here is that Abraham's gonna be the father of many. Here's the thing, Abraham hasn't had a kid yet. He has no one. And so the promise and the command here are not gonna be opposite. I think in obedience, Abraham offered Isaac. Abraham believes, he trusts that God will provide the sacrifice. Now that's where you get to the second part of this, the plan of God. Look at verses 11 through verse 13. He says, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said to him, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withhold your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and beheld Behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. It says the angel of the Lord stopped Abraham and confirms his faith here. And by the way, when it says the angel of the Lord, that article there at the beginning, the, tells you this is something called a theophany, meaning this was a pre-incarnate picture of Jesus. This is Jesus up in heaven, stopping him, yelling him, Abraham, stop. which is just an absolutely amazing picture because you have Jesus in heaven watching a run-through of what he alone will fulfill. You get the picture here? Abraham is being faithful. He's obeying as best as he can, but Jesus stops and cries out, Abraham, Abraham, and the call here of his name twice just makes how urgent how this interruption would be. This is a clear rejection of any human sacrifice. The truth is, God never intended for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Did you hear what I just said? He never intended for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Child sacrifice is a pagan ritual. This was, according to verse 1, a test. This is a test. Jesus knew that Isaac would not die on that hill. What Jesus is telling Abraham at that moment is the very same message that Jeff talked about a couple of weeks back when we were in chapter 15, when we look at the Abrahamic covenant and God literally put Abraham to sleep and did all the work himself. What he's saying here is, Abraham, I got this. You're right, I will provide the sacrifice. Not you. This is my work. Verse 14 
stops and says, so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. That term, the Lord will provide, in Hebrew is Jehovah Jireh. God provides. Now, verses 15 through 19, you see the promise here. Starting in verse 15, he says, and the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven. By the way, I just gotta tell you what a big deal this is. It, again, it may not sound like a big deal, but Abraham has just had God the Father and now Jesus twice from heaven called to him in an in a, in a audible voice. This is a big deal. This doesn't happen. He says, and the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And so Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went from there to Beersheba and Abraham lived there at Beersheba. What is going on here on this mountain, on Mount Moriah? Why does God want this played out and then recorded? And the answer is, I believe that Abraham is acting out a drama that later on in history will become a reality. This was intended to be a teaching moment for God's people, for us. This was intended to realize that one day a father, God the Father, would offer up a son, his only son, to die for everyone's sins on that mountain. And the son will willingly be bound and sacrificed the Lord himself will provide the lamb. That's Jesus. John chapter one, verse 29, tells us that when Jesus first showed up and, they, they, and John the Baptist saw him, he said these words, the next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, there's, there's God's provision. Exactly like was found in the, th- you know, in, the, in the weeds, in the bushes there. When Abraham was there, God was gonna provide the sacrifice, the one that would die on the hill. That was his own son. Now in verses 16 and 17, you'll see here that he's talking about multiplying your seed, that your, your children are gonna be as many as the stars in the heavens and the sand on the earth. You know, I was looking this up as I was reading through the history of all this stuff. You know, for a really long period of time, Scientists taught that there were 6,126 stars in the heavens. And then somebody invented the telescope. What you don't know, what we can't see. I read the other day that they said, well, there's, the estimate is there's, it's like 10 to the 25th power. Can you imagine how many zeros that is? And we don't even know how many galaxies we have. Do we realize who we're dealing with here? Some people are really bothered by the story. Some people are actually bothered by the whole ask thing. I can't even believe that God would ask Abraham to go do this. You're missing the whole story here then. See, what God was doing was putting in story form the most beautiful truth known to man of the greatest love that would be known to man. 
John chapter 15, verse 13 says, greater love is no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. This is the greatest love there is. People for thousands of years have heard this story. The nation of Israel's children heard this from the time they were small and they, they ingested this story and somehow they missed it. See, God knows what he's doing. He knew what he was doing with Abraham and Isaac. He knew what he was doing when he allowed his son to go to the cross there and he knows what he's doing when he comes to us. Now, does that mean I can give you an answer for every single thing in life? I can't. God has not designed the, the world, the universe, to be like that. He has designed the world to be in a situation where you and I have to live by faith, that we trust him. I don't know every answer. I'm called to trust him. Do I trust God? That was the beauty of Abraham going to Mount Moriah. Will I trust him? Because his track record is he's trustable. We are called to live by faith. Do you? Would you pray with me? Father, the, the truth of this story is that from the beginning of time, you wanted to lay out in story form the truth that your son one day would die and take our place on that hill. You used a faithful man that you knew would be obedient to you. And just as he laid his son on the altar, there are many things in our lives that we need to lay on the altar before you as well. But Lord, we also know that you're trustable, that you love us, that you care, that we can put our confidence and trust in you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Do you trust him is all your hope in him yes. listen I want you to know something there's a group of people that come down here at the end of every service as a ministry they do it because they want to they're available here to stop and pray with you to encourage you and even help you with that that big thing will you trust him will you place your trust in him maybe you're questioning that right now I'd encourage you you can trust him his track record is good it took Abraham years to figure that out, that he could trust in the things that God said completely. I wanna encourage you, this whole book is about a God that you can put your trust in. He is good, he has provided a way, he's taking care of this. We just need to trust him. This week, declare your faith. Tell people that you do. Let God use you, and it'll be a great week. God bless you. Love you all.